There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning the light, so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was come into the world. And so here John goes back to John the Baptist. And the reason he does this is because when John writes this um, track, this gospel, uh, it's not an epistle, but it's a, a gospel. You, you, ever, you ever see what tracks are? Any, anybody ever know? You know, there's like chick tracks and there's different tracks that are done. Anybody familiar with tracks? I know we are. Anybody else? Today, what a track is, it'll be like a little, maybe like a two-page thing or something, just a little thing. And it's something that you can give to someone that'll give a brief little gospel message, a little, you know, understanding of what salvation is, uh, you know, the steps of salvation. Uh, pre pretty brief, um, usually just a little folded pa page type of thing. Well, originally, what a track was, was like Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That was what a tract was. This is something they're writing so that people can understand who Jesus is and be able to accept him as their savior. When John's writing, he's writing primarily to a Jewish audience, it would appear by the way, way he writes it. And so one of the things he's going to do is he's going to go back to John the Baptist because uh, his readers that knew of John the Baptist, they accepted John the Baptist as a prophet. The people did. The leaders didn't. Remember when Jesus is, or the leaders are trying to trick Jesus and they're saying, by what authority do you do these things? And he says, well, I'll ask you, whose authority did John have? And they're like, oh, if we say of God, the people are going to say, why don't you believe him? Uh, if we say of men, the people will stone us because they consider him prophet. So a lot of people, the general masses, considered John the Baptist a prophet. So as he goes back to John the Baptist to let him know that John was pointing him to Jesus, they've already accepted John now he's saying, okay, let's go ahead and accept who John was talking about. This is the one that John was pointing you to. Maybe you remember, John said, um, there is one that comes after me that is mightier than I, whose shoes I'm not even willing to untie. And so he's trying to get, get into that culture and understanding. And those that have had this step of faith in accepting John as a prophet say, but there's someone coming after him. Oh, it was Jesus. You need to accept him as the Messiah, as the one to come. Uh, and so that's part of the reason why he's laying this out. Interesting when, uh, uh, going back to, uh, I was thinking about it with the song, you know, talking about the righteousness of God and, and some of that, that uh, when the leaders looked at John the Baptist and they looked at Jesus, they looked at two different lifestyles and they rejected both of them as being God. Uh, Jesus said that John the Baptist was the greatest prophet that had ever lived. Uh, no one had been greater than John the Baptist. Uh, he was just the greatest. And so John the Baptist came and he ate locust and wild honey. He lived in the desert. He lived a very chaste life, a very holy life, um, you know, very separate life. Uh, that's a, definitely an idea that we'd have or they would have of righteousness or holiness is separation. That's why you would separate yourself from a dead body. You wouldn't touch it like Jesus did. You would separate yourself from prostitutes and tax collectors. That's why Jesus would hang them. You know, John the Baptist was very separated. But of John the Baptist, they said he didn't come eating or drinking. And they said he has a demon. You know, he's out in the desert because he's demon-possessed. John the Baptist, that's what the leader said of, Jesus, of, of John the Baptist. Jesus comes, he's eating and he's drinking and, he, and he's hanging out with these people. And they said he's a glutton and a wine-bibber. He's a drunkard, you know. And it's like, 
either lifestyle, either extreme, they're like, nope, that's not God. Why? Because God's going to look like me. God's going to talk like me. God's going to act like me. God's going to eat like me. God's going to drink like me. God's going to be like me. He's going to have a house like mine. He's going to... And how easy it is for us as human beings to do that with God. Uh, every culture, every people around the world, how easy it is for us to take God and have him look like us. I mean, look at, look at the Europeans when they started getting into the Renaissance period and they started doing, you know, pictures of Jesus and paintings and all that kind of stuff. And what did they do? They made him look like this European, you know. <laughs> it's not what he looked like. He was Jewish. He looked Jewish. Um, and, and that's the, the pitfall and the thing that we can easily fall into is only accepting God if he fits the way we say God needs to fit. We need to go to the Word of God and we need to go to the life of Jesus and look at Him and accept Him for who He was. Uh, accept Him for what He showed us. And so here we have John the Baptist, this great prophet, showing us the way uh, and uh, letting us know that the light has come. Uh, the light that gives life, that it's come into the world um, and that it is the one that is going to reveal uh, men's lives going to reveal where we're at there is nothing that we say or do uh, that is hidden from God every thought every attitude of the heart everything is going to be revealed and that's why we need the righteousness of Jesus in our lives that's why we need his blood to cleanse us that's why we need to accept that uh, by faith because if we have to stand before God with everything in our life being revealed anybody anybody want everything in your thought life to be revealed on the screen right now Anybody? Yeah, I don't. <laughs> all the thoughts, all the ideas, all the attitudes, all the uh, things that we do. And the words uh, that we say, uh, how about that? If there was a recorder that went around and recorded all the words we say. Uh, and not only the words we say, but the words we think. It, words are so powerful. God coming as the Word, Jesus coming as the Word of God, uh, is is something that's amazing. Because we think of the power of the Word, that it created all things, that it holds all things together. Our words are very powerful. Uh, not just the things that we say, but the things that we think. Uh, and not just the things that we say and think, but the way we receive the things other people say and think. We can uh, recreate people's lives. We can recreate uh, people's uh, understanding, our understanding of what people are doing by changing words around. And sometimes it's just changing the way they say it. I mean, ever uh, nowadays in modern words, it's written words. And so you get a text and you look at it and you go, oh, why did they say that? And then you find out, well, that's not, they didn't mean something bad or anything or they meant something good, but you read it wrong. Um, the way it's worded sounds, it's really tricky with text now because sometimes you're trying to say something or trying to be funny or something and it's received as being rude or something. Then you got to apologize, then you got to go back and then you go, why, you know, and, and and it's amazing how easy it can be for us to also recreate what somebody else says, uh, recreate what somebody else does, uh, have all these different ideas, and we let all these words just uh, affect us. You know, they say, sticks and stones may break your bones, but words will never hurt you. I bet you everybody here has been hurt by words at times. Uh, it's usually going to be by someone that's close to you and someone that you care about, but it can be very easy to say things that hurt someone else. Uh, it can be very easy to hear things that hurts you. Uh, and we need to 
find a way to get control of that and bring everything, every thought, every idea into that submission to the Word of God. Uh, look at everything through that filter of the Word of God and, and, and through His love and let His Word change the way we speak. Let His Word change. That's why it talks about um, not only thinking about everything that's good, but as we speak, to only speak words that encourage that edify and uplift. Uh, that's why the scripture will say things like, do everything without arguing and complaining. 